Hey everyone, welcome to Know Your Gear Live episode 113. And uh, it's Friday. I've had an interesting week. We'll talk about that in a minute. And uh, see you guys already posting some questions. So I'll have uh, I'll answer some questions real quick too as well. Got some subjects right here written down to talk about. And uh, like I said, hopefully it'll be a cool afternoon. Uh, I sure need it. it. Wasn't a bad week by any means. I'm not saying that. It's just a uh, you know, not every week can be the best week. <laughs> so um, let's talk about what's going on while people are jumping on. First, uh, there was a question I saw. It was right at the beginning, and I really wanted uh, to answer it. Hold on a second. And sometimes I can't tell if when I go live, if they take away some of the guys, the chats that you guys are doing back and forth before this starts. Um, and maybe they do. <laughs> so because i can't find it now i should have copy and pasted it when i saw it nice all right <laughs> so uh anyways let's get to some uh some questions and topics oh something new uh, a couple things new I'll, I'll announce song of the week we're gonna do that again and i have an idea to run by you on that the other thing i want to let you know is something i took for an idea from seeing some other youtube channels not like gear channels but i was watching some of the channels that my kids watch and uh, i thought it was a cool idea so i thought let's give it a try um, basically, you know, there's always somewhere between, uh, you know, six to 800 of you hanging out live with me every Friday from now on or today, we'll see how it goes. I'll do it for at least a few weeks to see how it goes. Uh, I put in the description of this video right here, a coupon code for 20, 20% off the merch. Uh, it's during the show. So I, I don't know. I just thought it was cool. It's, a, it's actually a way to say thank you, right? You give you if you're going to buy merch or if you're looking at getting anything, especially now if you'll look, there's some new shirts, um, and those actually reduce price shirt stuff. I, I for the new shirts, I don't know. Just thought it was cool. It's there, and if you can't take advantage of it, I understand. But I'll think I'll do it for a few a while and see if it, it, it if it yields. I'll tell. I'll be honest with you. If one person buys a shirt, uh, even a, a month. I'll do it for months just as, because uh, like I said, if somebody can get something out of it, it's worth doing. Okay. That being said, um, before we go on to the next subject, let's hit some questions. You guys, they're in the discussion right now. So you guys are know what they're talking about. They're all talking about Harley Bittens right now, which is funny. I thought for sure I got a shipment of Harley Bittens today. I got a notification and I just got the package and it was not that. So, Okay, so soon. I think about another week out. I don't know. Does anyone know how long it takes? To uh, it seems like the Harley Bentons have been taking since the time I ordered them about a month. Does that sound about right? Let's see. Uh, Stupid fingers just said cheers, Phil, for no reason. And one, two, three, Jim Thomas just said thanks. You guys, thanks for the super chats. I appreciate that. And let's go to a question. Okay, so James Cruz said, thank you for the suggestion. It looks like it may be the Gibson 57 Classics will be the ones I put, and they do come in four conductor. Yeah, yeah. I, You know, what's funny on that question was, I think I got confused about that question. If I recall, I'm doing off memory. The question was, you had a 57 Classic, and you wanted another like pickup that has four conductor. It didn't occur to me that you would use a 57 Classic four conductor. I was, I was under the impression... You didn't want the 57 classic in the four conductor, something like it. Yes. Uh, yeah. Four, uh, uh, 57 classics from Gibson do come in four conductor and they are fantastic. Like I said, I am a huge Gibson pickup fan. 
So uh, I can't, I'd have to go through the guitars to figure out, but I have a bunch of guitars that have Gibson pickups in them. You know, obviously besides my Gibsons that you see behind me, I have, I put them in other guitars. You know, it's funny. I, I'll tell you a weird thing and I don't know why I, uh, I don't know why I do this and I don't know why I'm fairly urge to tell you guys. I really like Gibson humbuckers and I put them in a lot of my guitars. The only guitars I don't put them in is fenders. And I always think it's funny because I think, I think a strat would sound fantastic with two like 57 classics in it. But there's something weird to me about putting Gibson pickups in a Fender. <laughs> it just seems weird. Which is dumb because you could play a Gibson guitar through a Fender amp. I don't know why I think that way. Maybe one day I'll do it. I always tell myself I'm going to do it and I don't do it. So. Okay. So. Uh, and then. Okay. Hold on a second. All right, next question I see comes from Randy Crooks. And he says, just traded an Epiphone Sheraton for a Hamer XT Series Sunburst qu uh, Quilltop, QT, I'm thinking Quilltop. Any thoughts on Hamer guitars? I love it, and it is a beautiful guitar. I, I, the Hamer guitars I've always picked up have always been really good. Um, I know, like, the problem with Hamer is that they obviously make inexpensive guitars as well. So you're going to find some some gems and you're going to find some, you know, some turds. It's just going to be how it goes. Um, but most of the hammers I picked up are great, especially the American ones. But of course, and even their import stuff. Um, I played a hammer today. <laughs> so, uh, and it was uh, made in China and it was a really good guitar. I was impressed by it. Um, and uh, no, I like hammer and uh, I can see the logic in that. The Sheraton's a great guitar too. That's the tough part, but I can see why you would, why you'd switch. Okay. Uh, ah, SG Flying V says EVH crop circles are back in the mix. They are behind me. Yeah. Yeah. I pulled it out of the case today because uh, I was doing something. I was uh, I was actually looking for a guitar and I was going through cases trying to find it. And then I saw that guitar and I'm like, oh, that needs to come out of retirement. <laughs> so um, interesting enough. That, that'll segue. That's a good segue into something I wanted to talk about. Uh, I'm going to call this when I index it, why Fender, why? So I bought, uh, so I wanted to update you on something really cool today. So I was at a local music store today and um, I tried some 2019 Gibson Les Pauls and some 2019 Gibsons. Uh, and I loved, I mean, I loved the 50s neck, the new 50s neck. Now, again, I don't want to uh, misspeak because what, what could happen is they could have mislabeled the instruments, but what was, what was on the tags, what I picked up today said 50 style neck. Those necks were the best necks I've ever seen Gibson put out in the way that they felt. They were not too chunky. They were not too thin. They were perfect. It kind of reminded me what I thought. It wasn't the over the obnoxiously thick guitar necks that you can't get your hand around. It was great. The guitar sounded great. It was fantastic. And uh, I was going to actually buy it today. I, had, I was ready to pull the trigger uh, and get it. It was a dual P90, and it sounded fantastic. However, there's a reason why I didn't buy it. And that leads me to the section, why Fender, why? So when I was trying out guitars, I found a 2016 American professional Stratocaster there. And it played and sounded fantastic. I've been wanting or thinking about getting a 60s reissue Fender Stratocaster. So while I was there, I had them get down the 2018, 19, 60s Fender Stratocaster issues, and it was horrible. 
In fact, all of the the Fender guitars I picked up were horrible, the new ones. And they had the same issues that I saw on the one that I got Sweetwater from that telly, where they have dents in the fretboards. There's like scar marks where they press the frets in. The fretboards do not feel like they finished sanding them. They feel incomplete. Um, the guitars, in my opinion, reeked of hurry up and get this through. It, you know what it is? The, 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 the guitars reminded me of how $100 guitars feel. And that feels like somebody like just barely touched them before they were in a box and out the door from the factory. I was really unimpressed. And, and, and now I feel okay talking about it. I've been trying to keep it, you know, push back and not talk about it because you know, what's one or two guitars really. Can you hold that against Fender? I currently have a newer 2000, uh, not 2000. I currently have a new Fender that, that, uh, Burgundy missed one you saw. It has the same problem. The fretboard was horrendous. I had bought that one before I bought the telly. Um, that one I chose not to return because uh, I was like, oh, maybe I'll make it work. And that's how I got a little smarter the second time around. That guitar, um, you know, I paid $1,700 for. I'll be lucky if I get $1,000 for it. I mean, that's a $700 burn, man. That's that's really horrible. And I, I don't even know how to sell it because it's such a horrible guitar even after working on it. Um, and I bought that from Wilcut Guitars. And that guitar was supposed to, you know... Um, it's supposed to be great, I guess. And I don't, again, I don't fault Wilcott guitars. They just sold it. But my point is, I'm, I'm really kind of reaching out to community here on this. I thought a lot of the new fenders, the American fenders have not been up to par lately, especially on the fretboard area work and stuff. It seems like either that's the new way it's going to look now or whatever. But I was able to show the people at the guitar store today how much better the 2016 look and felt. So I, what happened was that was a used guitar. So I needed to buy that guitar. Now that was an opportunity guitar. So I was not able to get the both guitars. I couldn't get that guitar in the Gibson. Um, so, uh, so that's, that's what happened. So like I said, I'm curious, I can't believe uh, what I'm seeing. It seems to be really consistent now. And, uh, but I'm really glad to report the 2019 Gibsons were impressive from when I touched. Uh, I was, I was really, really happy, especially like I said, quality, I didn't see any quality issues, but more importantly, the feel of them just felt a little better. I can see why some of the YouTubers I've been watching that are kind of like glowing reviews of these guitars. I can see why they're having that reaction. It's not just the quality improvements. It just feels like, yeah, this is how I wanted my, that's how I want my Gibsons. I currently own to feel like the SG. I love that neck, but the neck on the guitar I played today it just felt amazing so uh brian from morgan says is the copper strap the only custom shop fender i own it's the only one i own now i've owned about seven uh custom shop fenders me personally and um the copper one what happened was i got rid of them all slowly for the copper one if you guys don't know the copper strat is not just a custom shop guitar it is a custom shop specifically custom built for for me um my spec and everything it's it's literally just not something you know it's not like a custom shop model that i bought it's specked out entirely like mine in fact fender doesn't even make anything like that model anymore so uh so yeah i yeah it's the only one I, it's the only one i need it's literally like i wrote down <laughs> every single thing i wanted <laughs> in a fender guitar and sent it to fender and they built it so it's pretty cool. That's why I play it a lot, which is why I give a lot of credit to the American professional series, uh, strats because, um, a lot of them have, they have a similar feel to them as my copper strap. I like that same kind of neck, not too thick, not too thin. Just feels good. Um, 
Oh, you know what? The seasonal uh, artisanal. <laughs> that's right. That's I forgot. I haven't seen you in a while. The seasonal artisanal says, hey, Phil, please bring back the Know Your Tone shirt. You know, I made the Know Your Tone shirt. I love that short uh, shirt. In fact, you know, Michael Shy had mentioned that he ends one of those shirts and he loves it. I stopped the Know Your Tone shirt because I saw a couple YouTubers use Know Your Tone. And, uh, you know, when you have a trademark, I own a trademark on the know your gear stuff. Uh, you try to protect that as much as you can. And so the best thing you can do to protect it is not try to get too spread too thin. So that's why I knocked that off. Cause I don't want to be having to fight everybody on every issue. And again, when I say trademarks and stuff, remember, keep in mind the main reason I trademark and stuff, cause I'm sure some of you guys will understand this. And I was, you know, we, it's an education channel. We're trying to learn from each other. Uh, so let me tell you why that's important. The main reason I need to keep trademarks or reason I need to enforce my copyrights or trademarks on what I do is not because I'm trying to stop anybody from copying me. Um, it's cause I don't ever need, I don't want to worry about anybody coming after me for what I did. So it's nice to know what you have because I'm, you know, obviously I'm selling merch. I'm doing stuff. I'm monetizing this stuff. It's important that I own that. You don't want to wake up one day and have to give half of that away or all of it away. So there you go. James wants to know, Phil, do you still have your supersonic? Uh, I love my 100. Oh, the supersonic 100 was an amazing amplifier. Uh, that that had a very short-lived life at Fender. I think it was like two years. Uh, I have my Supersonic 22. It's actually, you can see it in shot. It's right. I can't point to it, but you can see it. It's right here. See it? Tan. I'm looking in a mirror, obviously. Right there behind me, buddy. Um, so it's at, not only do I still have it, but it's in it's in play. I still use it. Um, the uh, But the 100, what I loved is I love that bias feature in the back. I wish Fender, Fender would have pursued that and put that in other amplifiers. Um, if you guys don't know what I'm talking about, on the supersonic 100 head and combos fender had this technology it's great on the back it was like it wasn't an led but it was like a it was like a system and what you could do is you could bias the amp hot or bias the amp cold and get kind of sag and change it and stuff and it was really cool it was a really cool feature and i thought for sure it would see itself onto other amplifiers and it just kind of piddled out so nothing there okay and let's make sure we're doing good on time Okay, the next one is uh, from Mark wants to know, what's my thoughts on dummy coil pickups? So, you know, Mark, that's a great question. What's weird is I was trying to tell somebody this week about dummy coils, and I can't remember what guitar I saw that had dummy coils in it. So if you don't know what we're talking about on this, <laughs> dummy coils are where somebody takes a single coil pickup and puts it inside the guitar. It's just wired in the circuit inside the guitar. It's not near the strings. And that's how they're creating like a humbucker by wiring that coil with another coil, like a humbucker, but by taking the coil and putting it out of the way and they like put it in the pick guard and put it in there sideways. Um, somebody help me if you can remember what brand that was. Cause what I remember was, I mean, this is like a decade or maybe 15 years ago. It was the first time I saw one. I remember opening the pick guard off and it was just sitting in there and you're like, why is there a pickup in there sideways? And, uh, it was a dummy coil. So, uh, I think the idea is cool. I don't know why, uh, more builders don't pursue it. Maybe there's a technology in place or maybe there's a way to do it in place. that's better than that. That's why they haven't done it. But, the ones uh, there's like at least two or three times I came across dummy coils and I, every time there was something, there was nothing wrong with it is what I'm saying. It was really cool. Yeah. Uh, Grady says he had a uh, dummy coil. Yeah. It's, it's like I said, I, I, somebody probably out there has one right now. And, uh, Oh, see, somebody says Epiphone blues Hawk has, uh, has a, a dummy coil. Yeah. Some of you guys might have a dummy coil and not even know it. Cause it's just inside, uh, the guitar. 
that makes that easy. Um, the next question is, oh, this one's going to be tough. Jay Steen wants to know, best wiring diagram style to coil split PRS SE 245. So uh, I'm going to go and interpret this as you're asking, what's the best diagram to do the coil split for the SE245? The SE245s, do the new ones have coil splits underneath the uh, underneath the tone potentiometers, you know, push-pull? I thought they do. If not, maybe it's maybe none of them have it. Um, first, of course, if you have the SE245, you have to make sure you have a four-conductor pickup. We'll assume that either you do or you're going to buy new four-conductor pickups. Um, the way I'd like to coil split those, one of two things. I either get the uh, triple shot, which is a, uh, the pickup ring by Seymour Duncan. They're very cool. You can install those in seconds and have the controls right there on the side of the pickup. To me, it's not a big difference than reaching down and pulling up on a potentiometer versus moving the little dip switches. They work perfect. I like them. Um, so that's one option. The other option, of course, is you can put, uh, you know, push-pull pots or push-push pots underneath the tone controls. That works well as well. And then, of course, little mini switches you can put in there. Uh, me, best diagram is tough, but I can tell you what I use. I don't like to coil split my bridge pickup. So if it was me, I would wire up one switch and put it somewhere out of the way of there's just a little, you know, switch, uh, two-way switch and wire that up so I can just switch my neck pickup uh, into a uh, single coil mode. That's the way I like to do it. Um, Stupid Finger says, Phil, what do you think of the P94s? Uh, how do they compare to P90s? Think of putting them in my old uh, Sam McSheraton. Uh, P94s are the Gibson P90s that come in the uh, humbucker fitted uh, uh, pickups size. So you can drop them in there. Um, I like them a lot. Compared to P90s, I've never done an, a comparison of them, a, a being them. But here's what I can tell you. The best, the best stuff doesn't need to be compared. Comparing it is when it's too close, right? If you have to hear something and you can't tell and you need a comparison, I think that's when it's not a good sign. To me, the P94 is when I played them, I go, yeah. Because to me, P90s are about single coil harmonics, but with big humbucker punch. It's like the best of both worlds, but you get noise, but you still get like some things you love about humbuckers and some things you like about single coils. The P94 has had that, and I didn't feel the need to be like, oh, let's see how a real P90 works. So I enjoyed the P94s. So there you go. And then uh, uh, what else? Okay, I'm looking at my announcements. I'm just making sure we're moving along on questions and doing announcements at the same time. Okay. Uh, Kevin Rose just want to say thanks for the channel, man. Thank you for hanging out. This is, this is what it's about. Talking about music, talking about gear. Okay. So Logan five's got a question it says, I'm a fan of maple fretboards. Why is there such a big imbalance between rosewood and dark wood fretboards and maple fretboards? Huh? <laughs> this is a tough one. So, you're a friend of the, okay, so you're a fan of the maple fretboards, and you want to know why there's a big imbalance between rosewood and dark wood fretboards. And and so when you mean imbalance, I think you mean like in tone. Why is there a difference in tone? Um, I, I'm going to assume that the, the imbalance is in tone or in weight, right? And I don't notice a huge difference in weight, so I'm going to say in tone. Me personally, I don't notice a huge difference between rosewood fret. I don't hear difference in fretboards, uh, not that I know of. I I couldn't tell you. Um, me, I could not 
hear a difference, me personally, in between the rosewood and a maple fretboard and an ebony fretboard. Um, now, sometimes I feel like ebony because it's so hard, it, it has a snappier attack to it sometimes, but I think that's just in your head. I don't think I really notice anything. What I do notice though is what next, what material the next made out of. It, that seems to be a big deal. That rosewood fretboard, I have a solid, I did a video where it's like solid rosewood neck and solid maple neck strats. And, um, and uh, I've done everything I can with that. That video was the first of probably 20 experiments that I just could not stop obsessing about why I cannot find uh, a solid rosewood neck that sounds the way I like. They just, for some reason, I love the way they look and I love the way they feel. They just don't sound the way I like. Um, and I think that probably has to do with whatever you make the neck material out of that will probably have some kind of effect on the sound. And then before uh, any tone, people start freaking out. Tone would freak people. Just keep in mind, I've owned a ton of carbon fiber necks. And what I can tell you about carbon fiber necks is it definitely adds sustain to guitars. There's no questioning that a, a carbon fiber neck, uh, like a Zon bass or a modulus guitar or bass or Moses graphite necks. I think what happens is the neck is so hard and so straight that the string really doesn't have anything. It's not like hitting and it's not flexing and it doesn't like lose energy. So it seems like it sustains a little longer. Um, that's what I've noticed. And I would imagine that harder wood necks would probably have a closer effect to that. Like in other words, the harder the neck, the less movement it would have. That's, that's just kind of a guess again. The problem with all that is the problem with all this is, is why people like to argue is because for every time you can generalize something, somebody can find an outlier outlier where it's not true. You know, if I say, okay, maple is brighter than mahogany. And again, if we're talking about that as a tone wood debate, somebody could say, okay, look, here's two guitars made of those two materials. and They sound alike. That's true. Again, I, I always thought the, the tone wood debate was, a generalization. I didn't even understand it. So, you know, I was new to YouTube when the tone Woodward debate was coming and, and they were fighting it all out. And, uh, and my whole opinion on this was, you know, there's all kinds of variations on the guitars. Who knows what's really causing it? Here's some theories like guesses. I just thought it was all just educated guesses. I thought everybody was like, well, maybe it's maple. Maybe it's this. So, and so basically what I'm trying to say is I don't notice a difference. <laughs> so I don't know if I can help you. So, oh, okay. So Tony says, no, Phil, he means availability. So, oh, okay. Well, that's easy. If you want to know why there's a big, the dude, the uh, CITES laws is going to make it to where we're not even going to see Rosewood anymore. Soon it's going to be just all maple fretboards and ebony fretboards. That's why you're seeing ebony for And that tells you how bad the problem is. You know, when the CITES thing came into fruition, which was, you know, it was like 2017. It was in June is when they, they had the meeting by November of, of, of 2017, they had passed a law and it went in effect of 2018, I think January. And, um, um, and everybody said it's not a big deal. Maybe I have it wrong. Maybe it was 2016 and it went in effect January 2017. Doesn't matter. When it went into effect, everybody had it wrong. Everybody at the NAMM show, I walked around. I, I did. I have the footage. I should release the video now because it would probably make everybody look really, really bad. And I, not that that's my gold, but I mean, it was just it was kind of funny at the time because the way I got treated. I did. I thought it'd be cool. I went around the NAMM show since it was January and the sightings laws came in effect in January saying Rose, you know, the new Rosewood laws. I went interviewed all these companies through the, to the, to the NAMM show asking them how they're going to prepare for the CITES rules and the, and the Rosewood. And like 80, 90% of everybody I interviewed told me that's not even a problem. Doesn't even matter. Can't get Rosewood. Psst. It's going to be on everything. You're just, well, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was so discouraged. I felt like, wow, 
I must have really misunderstood the Sides laws. Now, a year later, good luck. Get Rosewood. It's it, on Kiesel Guitars, Ebony Standard. You can get Rosewood, but Ebony Standard. On Framus Guitars, Ebony Standard. On uh, most guitar builders, a Rosewood's not even an option anymore. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's, um, that's why Rosewood's uh, and uh, the issue right now. You're not a Rosewood is going to continue, and here's why: because the paperwork and the time, and and it's a headache. I've ordered a couple guitars now from overseas, uh, you know, new, and uh, all of them that I've ordered that had Rosewood fretboards have got here safely, but all got stuck through customs, and all required me contacting and talking to customs and verifying what's in there, and and uh, and that's just getting one guitar through to a person, a per a personal person as a business. It could get a little trickier. So, so, um, John Douglas racing video says, Hey, Phil, what is the proper way to ask about having your guitar on sharpen my axe? You know, the big deal with sharpen my axe was again, it was a, it's a cost issue. Um, um, I think I talked about this. I don't know. I'll, I, maybe I say it. So, you know, sharpen my axe is almost this impossible thing to do. And the reason is, is because I try to get sponsors. Um, I've had sponsors flat out tell me that they don't even want to be associated with Sharp Max because it makes it makes it sound bad. Sharp Max, they said, reminds them of like bad things. Guitars are bad, so you have to fix them. And they're like, we don't want to be associated with that. Um, funny story. My best one was I had a company and I said, hey, I'm looking for a sponsor for Sharp Max. And they um, they said, well, we'll pay you. I told them what I needed to do the video. And they said, we'll pay that, but we don't want to be involved with Sharp Max. We just want you to do a regular review video or an unboxing or just talk about a pro our product. Um, so so uh, John, the issue is, is that, uh, like all the sharp maxes where I've done for you guys in the past, I've kind of, I had a couple sponsors throw in some parts. I covered the shipping and all the stuff. And, and literally, uh, I think if you look at the best performing sharp in my X video, uh, in views, I video probably made about $300 and, uh, which is good because that's about what it costs in raw, just my shipping and ex anything I had to put in financially in like a pack of strings and stuff like that, that helped cover all that stuff and, and, and maybe some of my time, but that's the, the best one. So John, the proper way is to do it is you can send it to ask, know your gear at gmail.com and you just put into the subject matter, sharpen my ax. We are still taking submissions. We have submissions already that we have in folders we're looking and um, I'm, uh, and we've been really we're getting ready to release another one now another one of the viewer ones again again it's just a it's a touchy issue i i don't know why uh i, I don't know i i give up guys i i thought for sure by now somebody i don't know some company would be like yeah we totally want to get behind this but i don't know it's just, just nobody really cares that way um now so you know and i just want to be fair they they're they have i have no problem getting a sponsor for this channel I can get, there's companies that would just, they were really happy to work with us and do be part of this live show or be part of the reviews, but the sharp max doesn't seem to entice the companies like it does us. So we'll just keep it gear community. That's why we have patron dollars. That's why we're making other videos. We'll keep it going. Uh, I would just like them to be more frequent than they are. So, uh, okay, hold on. I saw a question and it jumped. Hold on real quick. How are we doing on time? We're good. I think we're going to get ready for an announcement. Uh, BK just did a super chat for no reason. And of course, my system crashed. Okay, there it is. Um, 
And uh, so thank you, BK. And Kevin Rose did the same thing. Super chat for no reason. Uh, thank you, guys. You know what? That's that's awesome. That picks my... You know what? Please don't super chat for no reason like that. But I will tell you, it was a crazy week. Uh, this is going to be the most non-guitar-related subject to talk about. But if you guys, you guys will feel the pain I'm talking about. Uh, last Saturday, <laughs> last Saturday, I went down my hallway and there was water in the hallway. And I was like, oh, no, that's not a good sign. And long story short, three hours later, I had the plumber at my house and he gave me a $5,000 bill. <laughs> Not a $5,000 bill like he gave me. He gave me a bill for $5,000. I'd like to point out something to you guys. Maybe maybe there's there's plumbers out there that can learn from this. I'm sure he, he's, he's a nice guy, nice company. Everything's great. You know, great in the fact that we're getting it fixed. The point is, Man, I I never could hand somebody a five thousand dollar bill the way they hand me that bill. It was like, oh yeah, it's just gonna cost five thousand. You're like, <laughs> I didn't even know how to process that in my head. I was like, dude, you would think I thought I thought before somebody handed me a five thousand dollar plumbing bill because I got to dig a seven foot hole in my front yard before they would tell me that. I thought for sure somebody's like, you may want to sit down, Mister McKnight. I got something to tell you. Like I, that's how I picture in my head. So if you're a plumber out there, I'm not trying to say you're not worth it, man. You know what? You gotta you gotta have plumbing, man. It's it is what it is. I'm taking it with a grain of salt and going with it. The point is, <laughs> the point is. I'm just saying, maybe you could say, "Hey, you want to get a glass of water? I got something to tell you." Or, "Hey, take take a sit down." Just like I said, give it a give it a breath. <laughs> I thought he was going to say five hundred bucks. Boy, was I off! I was like, "Man, if he's going to tell me it's going to cost five six hundred bucks," and I, and then what's funnier, and then I'm off the subject. My wife even said before he said the price, she goes, "Is it going to be bad?" And he goes, "No." That's what he said. I swear. She goes, she goes, "Oh, it looks bad. Is it going to be bad?" And he goes, "No, it's not that bad at all." He's like, "It's about forty nine hundred dollars." <laughs> Now, maybe he felt that way because we did have a second plumber come out and he said $8,500 or eighty four. So maybe that's what he thought. I don't know. Anyways, I'm off that. So if that's the kind of week I had, by the way, you have to deal with that. Um, but you have to have water. Apparently, yeah, yeah water, electricity, it's all mandatory, apparently. Um, anyways, <laughs> Brad Hewitt says, uh, thanks for the LPD video. Oh, man, thanks. That's awesome. Uh, bought the Saguaro last week. And the Gila today after the video, my 11th LPD pedal, I am financing Lawrence's new home. Dude, you know what's great, Brad? First of all, that's awesome that you would sponsor and super chat this, this live show and do a $10 sponsor. That's cool, considering you just bought that pedal today. That's really cool. So I appreciate you doing that for Lawrence and for what you did for me. Yeah, and thank you for uh, liking the video. You know, the video, I, I released it today because... Based on your guys' feedback, when we talked about, you guys seem to be really in tune with the fact I'm not making enough videos. And part of the problem I have is, is that when I feel like I make more videos, you watch less. And I end up getting about the same amount of views overall, but I end up working a lot more. And I thought, and so somebody, one of you guys gave a great suggestion. I really appreciate that. They said, well, why don't you go to more of the streamlined content you started the channel with? And I go, well, I don't think it's much different. So I, I tried that. And that video I did today, that video took me about three hours to make. So that video you see today, that two, that video is literally three and a half minutes. Three and a half minutes took three hours to film, to edit, and to process out. And uh, that may sound short to you guys. It is short, and it may sound long to you. I don't know. But I mean, I understand like a lot of the other videos can take a day or two days just of editing and figuring out what's... So I plan to uh, have a lot more videos coming out 
sprinkled in. So if you know, if you notice, I'm doing, I'm firing, firing on everything you guys asked for. I got five things videos coming out like you guys asked for. I've been just sharpening my axe videos are coming out like you asked for. I got review videos out like you asked for. I'm getting all of the basis. I know one of the things that's tough about this channel is uh, it's not like, you know, like that pedal show. Those guys are great. They do one kind of show every week. <laughs> I have like, I did this sharp max for a little while. I did these five thing information videos. I do the tech tip videos. I do how to repair videos. I do review videos. I do these live QAs. And what I find is my audience, which is 216,000 subscribers, which is great. What I've learned is they're all segmented though. So for instance, some just like it when I do these videos, some just do it when I do those videos. So I'm kind of branching out and finding a way to work-life balances man i can i trust me i am a i am i am a dedicated sob i'm gonna find a way to spend time with my kids and make the content you guys want and do what everything i i think is cool so we're getting there thank you again brad bob crosley hey bob what's up buddy he says hey phil i bought a used american finger strat me too <laughs> with a badly cut 43 millimeter wide nut Ooh, fender only sells 42 millimeter bone nut uh what should i buy as a replacement well, I don't think that's right. That I don't think you're right. I think I'm trying to think. I don't think that sounds right. First of all, oh, let's look for a second. We got a second. Like I said, these these are the questions that put us in overtime. Um, I want to look. I'm gonna, just going to Google it real quick. Because I don't think that sounds Well, first of all, you can always cut your own nut. <laughs> so uh so let's start there um see i yeah i knew it uh so you know bob if it helps i'm pretty sure uh that graph tech makes a 43 millimeter nut because i've used it and yep so you can get it from graph tech buddy and the graph tech one will be better than what fender sells you so Go ahead. And what's great, if you don't know, you can always, so you know, when it comes to this stuff, I'm going to give you guys the best secret in the world when it comes to the Graph Tech people. They are truly amazing people. Justin at Graph Tech is the coolest dude. And you can reach out to them with any of your questions like this. And please, I, I like answer them too. But uh, but uh, so you know, you can reach out to Justin. Justin does a, a Friday QA as well, just for Graph Tech stuff, which is their bridge and ghost, tech, uh, ghost saddles and stuff. Uh, Melissa, if you guys know Melissa, she did the Sharp Max where I provided the tools and she did the work. Um, she is a Graph Tech fan now for that same reason. She's like, she's, um, she's a math major. So she loves, you know, measuring in math and she's said it best to me better than anyone else has given me, uh, uh, you know, a, a thumbs up to Graph Tech. She said, look, those guys really, anything you need, they got it. So Bob, the answer is probably going to be Graph Tech. Uh, so go with that. So, uh, Gary wants to know, Hey Phil, I promise not to ask you about the slap base setup video anymore. So here's five bucks just because you're awesome. So Gary, I did the video. I did. Um, and then the question became, how do I release it? <laughs> and, uh, so here's what I decided to do Gary. Cause again, the video became like, how do you release it in the video? I did a how to slap on guitar and how to slap up a bass. And I was trying to figure out the order of it. And I ended up just chopping them in half and re-editing them. And I probably need to add a couple, like a couple minutes to one of them. So I'm going to do a slap guitar and a slap bass video. That's the way I decided to do that. So there you go, buddy. Um, yes. The problem is I got good news and bad news. <laughs> the problem is I already know, cause I already know where I am on the editing and everything. The slap guitar video comes out first. 
uh, for a fact, because it's pretty much done. Um, so that will come out first. And the thing is, and this will help you, Gary, or maybe not, they're the same video, just one's on a guitar, one's on a bass. <laughs> so I even use the same analogy in both, but I had to tweak one for the guitar. The guitar one's harder to slap on than the bass, so that's what it is. Uh, Raymond says, "What percentage of the time dedicate? What percentage of the time dedicated to skills for songwriting?" So is that the question? Like, how much time is dedicated to sharpening your, like, you know, yeah, performing skills, your playing skills versus songwriting? You wish, you know, if you, as a person who's a horrible songwriter. That's my Achilles heel. That's what's killed me all these years. Um, I, I, if you get me with some musicians, I, we always play music. I have no problem just playing music with people. Songwriting is where I have a problem. And when I mean songwriting, I don't mean riffing. Riffing is where you write riffs for songs and you put the music together. I think I wish somebody would have gave me this advice for the younger audience because there are a lot of younger audiences that watch the channel. I look at my when I look at my metrics, it seems like the audience is actually it's for you guys know if you know forty five percent of the audience right now is between 20 and 30 now which is crazy uh so i will tell you guys this uh, i wish i would have took poetry classes i wish i would have learned poetry songwriting is is obviously about music skillship and and maybe music theory helps with that as well but man writing lyrics and writing songs i think is poetry i wish i would i i think poetry does something that i never thought my younger self would have known this, but my older self figured this out. Poetry removes the stupidity or the dumbness of lyrics. In other words, when I hear somebody else's song and their lyrics, they sound so profound and amazing. And when I write that stuff down, it sounds so cheesy. And, and then what you learn over time is those artists, as they do, do interviews and done write books, they'll tell you they, when they write down, it's kind of cheesy too. It's just because you got to get used to poetry. So if that's the question, uh, dedicating skills versus songwriting, the other answer that's nice about dedicating your skill set, in other words, your playing ability to your songwriting. I always like what Steve, I had to say, I hate kind of plagiarizing what he does, but, uh, you know, he said it and I thought it was perfect. Steve, I said, you need to be as good as the song or as the band needs you to be. He said, Angus Young is as good as he needs to be. Kirk Cobain is as good as he needed to be. And Steve, I is as good as he needs to be. I agree with that a wholeheartedly. That's why sometimes when people are like, Oh, you know, I don't shred. I don't, sh I don't do solos. I'm not a soloing guy. I would never even solo if it wasn't for this YouTube channel. Um, uh, I am a rhythm player heart and soul like said uh you know I, when people say uh when they mention that i'm a really good guitar player that happens sometimes when people say i'm a really crappy guitar player that happens sometimes too in fact probably more so <laughs> i don't know uh it's about the same um what i always notice is is that uh, they're really critiquing whether somebody says i'm good or bad they're usually critiquing my soloing ability which is the thing that i have very little a skill set on and it's something i'm not interested in which is even makes the skill set worse because when i force myself to learn the solo i'm just immediately not interested i would rather play the rhythm side i like the meat and potatoes of the song um so i like punk rock it's all just power chords and you know so anyways um so you need to put as much skills as you need to into it but I, there's definitely a balance that you need to work on uh what else do we got let's get it we did some super chat ones for a while you guys, there's 777 of us. I just want to say that because it's 777. That's pretty cool. Uh, what do we got? Oh, James Cruz says, I'm sorry if I'm uninformed, uh, but what's the big problem with getting Rosewood 
is it dying or something? No, man, the CITES protection thing. So rosewood and uh, like 200 species of kind of woods that like uh, uh, I think uh, Babinga is one of them as well are now protected by CITES. And what that means to the world is, is that there has to now be a chain of custody. Oh, you know what? I, I can actually show you. I have my chain of custody forms over they're not there, but maybe my wife moved them into the, into the other office. Um, so yeah, you have to have chain of custody forms. And so maybe next week I'll show you guys some of my forms so you can see them. And they're the forms that obviously were provided to me by companies that send me, you know, guitars uh, from overseas. So what happens is, uh, James, you have to show that the wood was cut down by per people who had license and permit to do so. And then it was milled by so, you know, people. And the reason is, is because it was China that was getting out of control. They were building all these crazy solid wood, rosewood furniture. And then these like, it's just like blood diamonds. I guess guerrilla fighters were going in there and killing people. It was a really mess. So, so it's the paperwork. It's not rosewood. It's not rosewood. not hard to get. It, it's, it's hard to transport because of paperwork and cost. She, James says she is selling my gear. James, there's one cool thing I know. She ain't selling my gear. <laughs> she could care less. <laughs> uh, so um, the uh, 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 so anyway, so like I said, back to said, it adds an extra cost. So it's not about the availability; it's about the cost. You had a and here's why it's it's important. And this is something I think that's interesting. Um, the 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 issue is is that e ebony has always been more expensive than rosewood. But look at how companies now make ebony a standard, and rosewood uh, is a is an extra extra upgrade, or it's not available. It's because the paperwork now has equalized the process to where ebony is, is not much more expensive than rosewood when you factor all those factors in. So so I'll, I, if it helps you guys, um, I have two GNL Teleca ASAT guitars, asset guitars, and uh, one has Chechen fretboard and one has rosewood because one's an older one and one's a newer one. And um, I can't notice a difference at all. So I don't understand why they just don't use Chechen fretboards. I don't know what I'm missing on this. It looks the same. It's not as it, it kind of looks like Pale Pharaoh uh, where it's a little not as deep as red. It doesn't look the same, but I, I don't really care. I don't know if that matters. So there you go. Um, uh, Juan Carlos says, Hey, Phil, do you think PRS should get their prices down in comparison with the new Gibson range or release a relatively more affordable new S2594 type? Uh, you know, uh, Juan Carlos, I can't tell you that PRS is going to make an S2594 in the future. I can't tell you that. <laughs> that's good as I've like a uh, force go. And that's all I have to say about that. So on the second part of that question is, um, I think that's how PRS looks at it though, is S2 is the more affordable line and they're American made guitars and you know, what have you. And uh, some people have mixed reactions with the S2 stuff. I have an S2 right there behind me. Some people say, Oh, it's not, you know, it's not as good or it's got Chinese parts or it's got Korean parts or import parts. I prefer my S2s to my cores. That's, uh, it's not even a question. I, I do. I like my S2s more than I like my cores. I don't know why I don't sell my core guitars. <laughs> Just play the S2s. Probably because like a lot of players, you bought a guitar, you invested in it. it I, I only way I can sell them is if I lose money. So I don't like to think about it. <laughs> so, 
but yeah, uh, and th so I mentioned that before. You know uh, that PRS's prices are going to seem a little high now with the uh, with Gibson's lower price points. I, they're not going to lower their prices. I can't imagine it's going to because it's going to be by sales. If their sales drop, they'll they'll move the price. But until then, it's not going to happen. Um, Bud oh, wants to know, hey, Phil, what do you suggest running your PAL 034 night pedal into a studio JCM, which is like the Studio 800, uh, Studio Vintage, or a clean platform? Um, I think all three of those will work fine. So what I'm going to tell you is, uh, in my opinion, which I would prefer. I would prefer to run the 34 through a clean platform amp, let's say maybe like my Princeton or um, maybe this Archon on the clean channel or any kind of clean channel amp. I think it sounds fantastic that way. Then I would run it through the Plexi and then I would run it through the JCM 800 uh, studio. That's in the order I think I'd like it. Um, I think it'll sound good no matter what because it's like a preamp amplifier pedal. And keep in mind, um, because it's got so much going on to that pedal with those uh, JFETs in it and stuff and the, the three band EQ, you could run any of the pedal to pedal effects pedals into the uh, uh, effects return of an amplifier, bypass that preamp section and just go right straight to power into the speaker and go. So you could try that and not even have to worry about it. You can use any of those three in that scenario, but that's, uh, you know, all three are good, but in my order, that's how I'd pick them. Plus, I don't know, <laughs> you know, why buy a Marshall? If you had a Marshall, great, but I wouldn't buy the Marshall to put the Marshall pedal in front of it. The whole point is to have like a, a, a different kind of amp and then run that Marshall pedal in front of it. Maybe I'm wrong. So, um, the question is, uh, from Joshua, do you know a quick fix, uh, for sticky toggle switches on a Les Paul sticky mean they're, they're not moving correctly. You know, here's the, here's the deal, Joshua. If you have deoxid, you can spray deoxid and clean there and there, cleaner in there and clean it out. Uh, it's, it's definitely worth it. However, with toggle switches, uh, three-way switches, especially more so than even like the three-way blade switches. My experience is once they start acting up, just replace them. They're they're inexpensive. You can buy an uh, American-made one for ten bucks, maybe fifteen is the high. Again, you know your prices vary by where you buy from online versus in stores versus whatever. You can buy yourself a three-way switch. It is literally um, four wires, right? You're gonna have one pickup goes one side, the other goes the other side, and then you're gonna ground you run the ground, then you run. The, so it's it's a simple simple thing to to wire up. If you don't feel very confident with it. I understand, but I would say that's an easy thing to fix and it's an easy, it's an easy repair. And if you're thinking about repairing, it's a great first one. So, uh, on that note, I got some questions, but I want to do another announcement. Let's see. We talked about, I told you guys I love the new 2019 Gibson. That was good. Uh, song of the week. I put that in the link in the description about down before I promised that would come back and it is back. Song of the week this week is Chuck Berry's Nadine. I put a link to the video I used to learn the song. Uh, it was something really cool and I really enjoyed it. And so that's the song of the week. For those of you guys that want to do that, we, I promised I'd bring that uh, back after I, when we had some little craziness and they got crazy and now we're back on track. So here we are. Uh, let's see. Uh, next. Okay. It says, Nathan wants to know any suggestions for a jazz master upgrade. Uh, you know, no, <laughs> I don't know. You know, what do you upgrade on the jazz master? You can swip, swap out the pickups. Um, you can jazz master pickups. Maybe, you know, you could change out some potentiometers. I wouldn't, 
Uh, I have a Mexican made jazz master. So let me tell you, there's nothing in it. Maybe the Cluson tuning keys. That would be the only thing I'd upgrade. Take out the Clusons and put in locking keys uh, just to make it easier and nicer. Um, that's the only thing. And I have the Mexican made one and um, I like everything about it. I even like the pickups because the pickups on the jazz master made Mexico are ceramics on the version I have. I have a standard, so I don't know if they changed it on the new models, but uh, they might've went to El Nico fives, but the uh, ones I have are ceramics, which means the jazz master pickups I have in my jazz master really sound more like fat P nineties because of the way they're designed at the, so I like that tuning keys. Uh, I, you know, you could upgrade the bridge, but I wouldn't. And, uh, yeah, that's the only thing I liked. Uh, oh, Josco plumbing supply said, should have called me Phil. You know what, Josco? Uh, um, uh, I didn't know to call you, <laughs> uh, but, but now, now, you know, when you give somebody that bill, just, just give them a second. Just be like, Hey, this is gonna, this is just, this, the warning, <laughs> just the warning. Um, uh, but I appreciate it. Uh, Brent says, Aloha, Phil. I'm assuming you're from Hawaii. He says, I bought a Gibson SG a few years ago. Just found out that it is a PC board. Yeah. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Is there any way to rewire it for vintage wiring or do I need to swap out the PC board and hand wire? I have done both. I will tell you this. I have rewired those stupid PC boards and those Gibsons so many times. And it's only when customers either A, ask me to keep it in there or B, they uh, they were budget conscious. They just didn't have the budget to gut things. So I would do it every time. I, I can tell you right now, I, I bet you there's right now there's repair guys and luthiers watching this and they're thinking the same thing I'm about to say, which is there's, I wish I would have just told everybody no <laughs> and just rewired it. My best, just gut that stuff. I wish Gibson, uh, does the 2019 still have that crap in there? That's why I see if I would have bought that when I looked inside that, I don't know. Uh, no. Uh, so yeah, swap everything out, man. Just go back to get a, get a, get a kit. Now what's cool about that is Brent is there are pre-wired kits. And so there's options right now. So there you go. Uh, and then, uh, so yeah, just gut it all and just start from fresh, fresh. I, I think that's the best thing to do with that. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people are going to comment right now both ways. And I think, but the majority are probably going to say, yeah, that they've had the experiences working on it sucks. So, cause it's not even like working on a guitar. It's like working on a pedal or an amp. That's why I think I don't like it because when working on those PC boards on guitars, it doesn't feel like I'm working on a guitar anymore. It feels like I'm working on a little amp or something. And I'm not an amp guy or a pedal guy. I'm a guitar guy. So it, I don't know. It's just a different feeling. I don't know. Um, I want to say nervesy. Nervesy says, you're a good dude. Thank you. Phil, have a brew on me. All right. You know what? I'm This week, I'm taking you up on it. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, yeah, Showman Blue says, work like working on a PC. Yeah, it, again, it's not that it's bad. It's just, yeah, it's not, not the same. Uh, Ken Black says, do your own plumbing. It ain't rock science. Ken Black, you do not live in Arizona, though. Uh, they have to dig seven feet and uh, to, so you understand, you cannot physically dig seven feet in Arizona. You have to have, uh, they have to have a, uh, what the hell is that thing comes out and it digs a hole? I want to say Bobcat. That's not what it's called. What's it called? Um, you can, I don't think you can rent one of those, but you can hire somebody to dig it, right? But the problem is, is, uh, is Ken is then, like I already called Blue Stake out 
and they came out and they 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 marked my yard. So they have to mark where your gas lines are because I have gas lines, I have the cable lines because all that stuff's like right there. And you're digging a seven foot hole now, so you understand. I've never dug a seven foot hole, so I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm just guessing. I don't know how wide. I don't even know how wide a hole has to be to get seven feet down. I'm assuming they're not going to dig a two foot wide hole seven feet down. I I bet you it's at least the right, probably four to five feet wide. I don't, I don't know. Uh, so, so yeah. So I understand what you're saying, Ken. Yeah. Trust me. If it was the toilets or if it was the sink, I do all that stuff. If it was anything else. Yes. But what happened was the, we had giant trees. We had them removed, uh, about four or five months ago. No longer than that. We had them removed like seven months ago, eight months ago. Cause we thought they would probably be a problem because we're getting too big and we had them removed when we had them removed. I guess it was too late because the roots had already kind of broke the pipe or gone into the pipe. So uh, we didn't plant those trees. That's just how we, when we bought the house, they were there. So, so the problem isn't in the house. The problem is outside the house. Again, that's a bigger, that's a bigger uh, thing. Um, and uh, yes, <laughs> Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, trust me. I I thought about it, dude. Let me tell you, when you're talking about that kind of money, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, that's a, yeah, see, Roots uh, ate your plumbing. Yeah, see, dude, it's like I said, trust me. I sat there. I don't know why we're talking about plumbing, but it just, I all weekend, how can I, what could I do? And there's just no way. I can't dig that hole and I can't do that. I'm not going to do that stuff. I'm not going to mess with it. So, uh, stay away from concrete work and electrical. Yeah. Well, see, electrical I got down because my wife's dad is a superintendent for a large electrical company. He's an electrician by trade. Uh, so anytime I have, he's done all the, he does all my electrical because he's nice to us. So, um, and also, I don't know what it is. I think everybody's got this kind of thing. I don't mind being electrocuted, but for some reason, like plumbing scares the crap out of me to, to some degree. <laughs> right? Like, I, I just don't know. It's like, you know, God bless pipe fitters and, and people who do that stuff, man. It's different. Everybody's got a different mindset for stuff. Okay. We'll get back on guitars now. Cause it's a guitar channel. <laughs> so, uh, let's do, uh, uh, I don't think this is to me, but maybe it is. It says, uh, it says M Mick E B Brian says, you said some time ago that Epiphone no longer has good guitars. Please explain never said that i don't know so I, I don't know if you're talking to me buddy um it wouldn't be me i like epiphone guitars uh you might be confusing a video i did i think i did a video called brands that no longer make high-end guitars are expensive guitars and that would be epiphone uh and some people some people you know you, you, t you can't when you make a video you try to make a title that's as clickbaitable as possible. You're trying to get people excited. You know, people get upset about it, but the truth is there's 5,000 videos you guys are scrolling past. I'm just trying to make sure I pop. So I try to be as clickbaitable as possible without deceiving or lying to anyone because, you know, who, no one wants to do that. But I'm also not going to do anything dumb like go, guitars. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm going to do something. So in that video, um, what I was talking about was, yeah, Epiphone used to be a high-end brand of guitars, uh, regardless whether they were made, they were made in the USA or not. They were high-end, they were premium. They were considered more premium than Gibson at the time when Gibson bought them. And now they're an affordable line of guitars. And Epiphone is good, but not considered a high-end guitar line. In fact, there was a couple comments in the video that always make me laugh. People are like, well, just because it's made in America doesn't mean high-end. Again, all I was talking about was cost. Epiphone does not, because somebody said, well, so you know, Phil, 
Capophone still makes a high-end guitar in Japan. I go, yeah, but when you think high-end guitars, the high-end guitars, like high-end cars, like somebody could say, hey, a, Do uh, a Dodge truck is 60 grand. That's a high-end truck. I guess, but when you think high-end cars, don't you think Ferraris, Lamborghinis, Mercedes, you know, right, uh, you know, um, you know, uh, whatever, you know, <laughs> how much into cars I am. I can't even name four. Uh, <laughs> anyways, um, so the point is, uh, you know, when you think high-end guitars, you think Sir, Tom Anderton, uh, you know, Collings, you know, PRS, you know, Custom Shop Fender, Custom Shop Gibson. So, yeah, that's maybe what you're thinking, uh, Mick, uh, but... No, like, man, I love Epiphones. <laughs> I like Epiphones more than Gibsons. That's my problem. I just like the way Gibson headstocks look. I follow, I, I follow that same stupid thing that half the people on the internet say, too. I agree with them 100%. Epiphones better than a Gibson. Not better, but, you know, I mean, for the money and factoring in, it's really good. But I like the Gibson headstock, so I tend to go that way. Uh, and then... Okay, uh, with 5K, I would rather, oh yeah, have an excellent high-end guitar than, uh, oh, so so Bam Mosey says, with $5,000, I would rather have one excellent guitar and high-end guitar than lots of lower-end guitars. Yeah, that's a, that's a, um, yeah, <laughs> that's a theory too. Uh, everybody has their theory. It's what works for you. So... Um, my thing is, and I think I've said this before, I collect guitars. Like I, if you look at this channel, if you look at it, it makes sense to me. If, the, like I said this before, if, if I was standing here and this was all Legos behind me or Star Wars toys or guns or whatever, you know, uh, you, you get the idea that I'm collecting. I am collecting. I'm a collector of guitars. I work in the guitar industry. I love guitars. I love music. And I decided one day I could collect you know, anything, or I could get involved with anything. And I decided to make a musical gear. It just happens to be also in the industry I work in too, which is no, you know, so, so that's what it is. So guitars to me are about collecting them sometimes. So in experiencing them and checking them out. So, and, um, uh, so I guess with that point is, yeah, I guess if I, not only when people go, well, can like, uh, give me an example. Somebody said, Hey, you can sell this guitar and buy one $10,000 guitar. I always can trump them because, I could sell all my guitars and keep one $1,000 guitar because my favorite guitar is my Strat with two humbuckers in it. That's it. That's the guitar I keep. Uh, if I only one guitar, it's going to be a Strat with two humbuckers. That's it. And I don't even care if it's made in America or Mexico. I don't care less. That's the guitar I pick up and play all the time. It's where I feel comfortable. I plug in the amp. I make music with it. I don't think about gear. I don't think about you know, the pickups. I don't think about anything. The thing is stock. It's bone stock. It's just what I like to play. So, uh, but... You know, I can't stare at catalogs all day of one guitar. <laughs> so, ah, um, oh, James Cruz says, thank you. I was a pipe fitter for 27 years in Chicago, local 597. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, like I said, dude, that's legit. Like I said, I, I, you know, um, I always, I, I love this saying. I've been saying it forever. Just because I'm smart doesn't mean I'm able. It's That's the thing I say to myself. I don't know if somebody told to me if I thought of it myself, but I say it to myself whenever I try to stop myself from doing something dumb. I think a lot of times because you're smart, you're like, I could figure this out. I can reverse engineer this. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of times you're right. But sometimes I tell myself, just because I'm smart doesn't mean I'm able. Some things you just have to have a temperament for or you have to have, 
you know, you have to have the mentality for it, you know, how to do it. It's a different kind of uh, skill sets. You know what I mean? So I agree. Uh, okay. Now what do we got? Uh, we got Bruce. Bruce wants to say what? Uh, Bruce says Goldilocks issue. <laughs> Okay. I like the feel of my 60s Strat neck. Yep. But the sound of my Gibson neck. Okay. it Wait. But the sound of the Gibson neck. Well, isn't the Gibson neck attached to a Gibson? Is, okay. Is it radius, nut width, thickness, material, or in your opinion? So I don't know because when you say Strat neck, I'm assuming it's attached to the Strat and the Gibson neck's attached to the Gibson. So I'm thinking you like the Gibson more than the Strat neck. Uh that's uh, Bruce. I know, dude, and you, I, I know where you're, I think you're going with this, but I can only go with the assumption that we're really not comparing necks. We're comparing guitars. So you like the sound of the Gibson over the Fender. Me too. <laughs> All I want is a Strat that sounds like a Gibson. So, you know, my theory is like 90% of the rock stars that ever lived, that's all they wanted too. <laughs> everybody, everybody who picks up a Strat, not everybody, I'm generalizing. Most people pick up a Strat go, yeah, yeah, this is it. This is comfortable. I always tell people, think of this. Leo Fender didn't even play guitar. He literally made a guitar that was comfortable because that made sense, right? He makes his guitar and it's like, oh, it's arm curves. It's nice. It's balanced. It feels good. It's light. And, but I want it to sound like that Les Paul or that SG. <laughs> so yeah, you're in the same boat as everybody else. There's nothing you can do. All I can tell you, Bruce, is this. Unless you can come up with something I can't come up with, which is very possible, but I've put way too much money and time in this to even admit, even in public, I've never been able to get a Fender Strat to sound like a, a Gibson guitar. They just can't do it. They just don't have the warmth and the fullness. It's just the design of the instrument. And, it's not, and pickups are a huge part of the sound, so that's, that's half the battle. But the rest of the battle is just too tough. And I've done it. I've done, you know, I've, I've done it. So a scale length too. And so, you know, when you, so when you mentioned radius, nut width thickness, first of all, you're missing scale length, man. So the feel of the strat 25 and a half inch versus that 20, 24 and three quarters. It's all really tough. Andrew just wanted to do a super chat for no reason. Thank you, buddy. At this point, I'll do an announcement then since you didn't do a question, which is not that uh, anyone asked, uh, but I'm going to tell you, uh, if you haven't seen TGU, that's the Toman Gearhead University 2019 has announced that they're doing it again this year. It'll be in the first week of June and uh, they invited me. So I'm going. Um, in fact, actually, so you know, I was invited, uh, you know, earlier this year. <laughs> so it was something I already committed to earlier this year. Uh, they asked if I'd like to go. And um, I actually have something else happening there too. That's very exciting. Unfortunately, that is a, that's a seriously, uh, NDA, no discussing about that. So, but I can discuss about the uh, TGU thing. And then I'm very excited. If you guys check that out, I'll put a link to the, to it in this, uh, when I index this, you can see all the YouTubers that are going, obviously Agafish, the Tone King, Adam Neely. Uh, you know, it's, I hate starting this list because now whenever, now instead of mentioning people, it's people I'm not mentioning. <laughs> and I don't know why I'm, you know, I can't think of them all. Mary Spender will be there. It'll be a, it will be a big, uh, it's like 25 YouTubers. So we'll do some content. The reason I'm telling you guys, not only so you guys know, but of course I want to make good content for you guys. I want to go there so that you can vicariously go through what I'm going to do there. So I'd love your suggestions on things that you would like to see there. Keep in mind, it doesn't have to be about other YouTubers. It doesn't have to be about Tolman. It doesn't have to be about anything, whatever. 
So I can tell you what I want to do. Um, since Fender is going to be there and Gibson's going to be there, I'd like the Fender guys to sit with me and review the new 2019 Gibsons, and I'd like Gibson to sit and review all the new Fenders with me. I thought that would be fun. We'll see if I can pull that off. I got a feeling they're going to say both say no, but I'll give it a try. So don't be afraid to think outside the box and give me some suggestions. We Toys says, do you play Mustangs and or Jaguars preferences? I do not. Uh, and the main reason is, um, well, the Mustangs are small, man. They feel dainty to me. I'm I'm a big dude. So it, I already feel like certain guitars are small and they don't feel right because they don't feel like they're, you know, I don't feel like I have enough to hold on to. And uh, so I love the way they sound and I like the way they play. It just, again, I'm not looking for a smaller guitar. Jaguars, uh, I like Jazz Masters. And so Jaguars are essentially the same thing with different pickups, but a shorter scale length. And again, if preference given, I like 25 and a half over 24, three quarters, even though Jaguars are 24. By the way, thank you for, I forgot who caught that when I did that video. Uh, I made a last minute addition to a video and put that out and there was a mistake in it. Somebody caught it and we were able to fix it in time. So thank you for that. But yeah, uh, so that's the preference. So my preference, longer scale. That's all. The guitars themselves are fantastic though. Uh, Johnny wants to know, Hey Phil, ESH bass made in EU. Are they any good? I don't know, man. Every show you guys have to mention an instrument that I <laughs> Like I said, I feel like every, if I did this show every day, every day, you guys could mention 10 instruments I've never seen. So, uh, okay. I am on their website. I will share if there's something I can share with you guys. Ish. I'm going to say ish. The history of ish. Okay. About models. Oh, wow. Well, we got to share this so the people on the podcast can go. Why didn't I watch this? Uh, yeah, these are pretty crazy, man. That looks like uh, uh, like a little bit like a Ritter, a little bit like a BC Rich. Oh, there's something that looks more like a jazz bass. Uh, a little crazy. That first one's pretty nuts. That looks great. Never heard of them and never seen them before, but they look great. That's what's, that's what's awesome, man. There's so many great companies. That's why I feel bad sometimes when we only talk about like the same 20 companies. We should talk about more uh, companies. That's why we're kind of trying to reach out, trying to add in a couple things every month. We did Paoletti this month. Uh, but of course, they are they are they they ended up reaching out to other YouTubers so that they got a lot of promotion in other places too. But at least you guys get to hear and see something different. That's what I was hoping for. Uh, Devin says, Phil, really dig your wisdom. Uh, thanks, man. Appreciate that. When trying out a bunch of specific guitars, like a Les Paul, how do you determine which one has the magic? Oh, you know, you know, that's a great, great question because I, as much as I am into repairing guitars and tech, I'm more into the philosophy of guitar. And what I believe is something that can't be written on paper, unfortunately. So when somebody says, Phil, why is that guitar great? I can give you a bunch of facts, figures, and theories but honestly, it just feels right. I don't know why. Like when I tell you guys, I like my strat. It just, there's something about it feels right. So to answer your question, I really believe this, Devin. I don't care how long people think that you're going to learn something someday. You're going to be, I just got it. Here we go. We got it. People think that if you educate yourself enough, you'll understand why a guitar is great. That is true, but only in the idea that you can describe it now. 
you'll never really know what makes it great. It just feels right, right? And the reason I say that is, since I quoted Steve Vile, I'll quote John Mayer. He said, I don't really think about how necks are shaped or made. I just know when I pick up a neck and it feels right, it's right. Um, I thought that was a really great way to put something. I agree with him wholeheartedly on that sentiment. It's just some reason the guitar feels right. What I find, though, is that it's never hard. When you pick up a guitar and you love it, it's never hard to come to that realization. For some reason, though, what I find is, and this is your, so you wanted my wisdom, which I don't know if I have wisdom, but I have experience with this stuff. So let me tell you, you pick up a guitar you like, and generally the one you like, just through the law of averages, isn't the one that you, isn't the prettiest one, or isn't the color you want, or isn't the way you want it, or isn't the price you want. And I, I learned that people will fight that. People will buy the guitar in the color they like, or in the style they like, or the price they like, even though there was one that was better, they felt more bonded to, but it didn't have those other criteria. What I've learned is, if you bond to a guitar the way it feels and sounds, that's the one you get. Don't worry about the way it looks. And I think that's how I kind of think. I play this guitar that I love and I bond with. And then if I really need another guitar later, you can always buy another guitar and stare at that at the wall. <laughs> so, uh, Bayo says highest clean headroom, full sounding 15 watt combo. Oh, that's good. Um, 15 watt combos with high head, head clean headroom is going to be tough. Um, and here's why, because it's not that they don't, it's just, you're saying what's the highest one. What's the best one. I've never done a shootout to find out which one is better than others. I really like the clean headroom on the um, Sinzeras by PRS and the clean headroom also on the MT-15 by uh, PRS. Keep in mind that both those amps, uh, even though they're rated in lower wattages, are higher wattages. So that's part of the thing too. Another amp that has a really good clean high headroom 15-watt uh, combo. I don't know. Blues Junior, maybe? Doesn't it start to break up pretty early? Again, I hate this because I'm I'm just guessing. I can't, I don't have a, it's something I've never really sought to find out. How loud can you get a 15-watt clean amp? Um, I don't, I can't think of any, I'm curious. Is anyone putting comments? Because I'm not looking at that screen now. Rolling Cube, that's solid state, but yeah. Jet City 20 watt HV. Yeah, you know what? That you know, count feedback. That's great. Yeah, let's not stick to 15 watts because it's about small amps. What small low wattage amps have the highest clean room? Anyone have an amp out there? Uh <laughs> McDingus said, don't con compare guitars to women. <laughs> so you guys, they uh uh You know, I can't think of a clean, uh, the one that sticks out. I, most of the fenders, though, work great for me. Fender combos, Marshall 40 watt. Yeah, see, again, 40 watt, dude, it's tough. 15 Marshall DSL 15H. Uh, that's a head nut. Yeah. So nothing really sticks out, buddy. Um, but maybe that's a cool video we could do. I never thought about doing that. What has the highest clean room? And maybe put that in a band setting. That might be something cool. Maybe it'll be worth doing. Gavin says, have seven nice guitars, including my Strat, in my lap right now. That's a lot of guitars. <laughs> I know. you. Mean, the Strat's in his lap. Not all seven guitars. Let's not get all carried away. Currently rebuilding my brother's 1972 Tele. Thanks for the lessons. Oh, that's awesome. 1972 Tele. That's pretty cool, too, man. That's awesome. That's a great guitar. Um, David <laughs> Morissette says, your name pops. It does pop. I think 
it's uh thank you <laughs> and then greg says edit your live show in half and have two clickbait titles <laughs> yes uh you know it's <laughs> yeah yes uh it's tough so the show is really for us man you know what's funny is this live show does way way better than it probably should or needs to so what's great is it's really for me this is our community uh, communication time once a week that's why we do this so um although the live shows do really well especially on the podcast format it's uh they never will get close to the actual you know the, like the viral videos and stuff but still this is the way funner to be this is the way to be um uh jasco uh plumbing supply says hey what's the best way to clean grime off a used guitar um you know there's a ton of ways to get the gunk off of a guitar you i'm thinking you're talking about the body more so than the fretboard in the neck you know right because the fretboard you would you have to use the normal i use fretboard conditioner i don't care what anybody says people always like oh it ruins fretboards i'm like you know you know, here's the problem, man. I'm getting too old. Once you use something for 20 years and you don't have any issues and people, you have to listen to everybody tell you how horrible something is. You're like, look, man, I, I don't know what to tell you. I have 20 years and no issues. So a uh, fretboard conditioner, I've never seen. I've never even seen a guitar ruined by fretboard conditioner. Isn't that funny? I hear about it so much. I'm like, I, I, at the point now where the last person that said that to me, like fretboard conditioner ruins your fretboard. I'm like, great, show me one. Just give me one. Just show me that fretboard that's ruined. Somebody said, oh, well, it loosens, uh, it makes the wood loose and literally the frets come out. I'm like, yeah, here's the great part about that though. Literally, I have seen though frets pull and lift out of guitars because the fretboards have dried out. So although that's a great argument, not hydrating the fretboard seems to have the same effect. So again, why don't we just, Go ahead and agree that maybe you should just be a little limited on how much fretboard conditioner you use. I don't think you need to pour. I mean, who's pouring a bottle of this stuff on a fretboard, right? You just put a little on a dude. I bought, I had in a store, you'd buy a bottle of fretboard conditioner this big, it lasts a year. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like this. And I always make jokes they, that all the stuff they sell, like these fretboard conditioner, this isn't fretboard conditioner, but they sell this size. This is like, this is, this is double the size you need. So there you go. Uh, so anyway, so let's, that's good. Um, but back to, uh, back to the, uh, the, how to clean the guitar. Um, I'm a big fan of just, uh, I, I did this with RNA music, Ryan, we were talking just this week, um, about, uh, using warm water on a, on a cloth, on a cloth, right? That works. I use WD-40 sometimes to get like stickers, goo, goo off. Some people use Gooby gone, but I like WD-40 cause I don't know. I already have it. <laughs> I spray it on a cloth and get the sticky off. Um, I, I like for guitars, elbow grease and a little damp cloth. You know what I mean? And just go. You know what I mean? No no issues there. Uh, there uh, there you go. Um, what else? So Donald just says he loves the live show. And thank you. Uh, you know what? Thank you. And uh, hey, let's do something fun. So check this out. I got this. Remember we did this and I asked you guys if you liked it. You said you liked it. I wanted to do it towards the end as a kind of reward for people hanging out since there's 765 of us. This is that thing that we used to get. To, when I watch all the people on YouTube my kids like to watch, they always do these loot crate things. And they're like, look, I got a bobblehead and a Pokemon card. And this is something I can actually get into. So it's Guitar Crate. And I've talked about this before. They're not an official sponsor of the show, and they're not paying me for this. They are sending these to me, but you know, hey, they, they you know, that's that's a good return on their investment. 
<laughs> so uh because we're going to talk about it but uh, it's more just because i thought it'd be fun so um here's where we're going so this is this month's box i haven't seen it i just opened it we're going to look right now uh you get um nine gauge slinkies now you can pick your gauge i think is my understanding but this nine gauge slinkies 10 gauge Oh, 10 gauge balance tension. Oh yeah, these are cool, man. Have you seen these? This is a good discussion. Balance tension strings. My buddy Joe loves this. He thinks these are great. I was not a big fan. <laughs> uh, didn't hate them, just didn't. didn't it, balance tension is like 10, and then it's like a 13.5, 17, 25, then a 34. So the idea is that they're gonna feel more consistent across. I don't know. You know what's funny is, I think I was saying like, when I did it, I go, I don't think I like this. But then secretly I was like, I don't even know if I noticed. Let me know in the comments if you like these or not. All right. Next, you get picks. Oh, cool as hell. I don't even... I didn't even know they made these still. So these, and all get ready, all you guys like to make funny comments. These are called rubbers. <laughs> I'm not making this up. They are called rubbers. Uh, they are literally five millimeter thick rubber picks. Yeah. So all you dirty-minded jerks out there... <laughs> <laughs> this is a, a rubber pick. If you're asking yourself, why do you need a giant five millimeter thick rubber pick? Well, if you have to ask that, I'm just kidding. Um, not only can you use it to erase stuff on, on paper. No, it's for bass players. You can use this on your bass. It gives you more of a thumping kind of sound like your finger would sound. So you use this pick. Um, really cool. They come in different thicknesses and stuff, but this is actually my favorite was the five millimeters. They, they're, they get darker and colors the thicker they get. Very cool. But I swore Wedgie said they stopped making these. So maybe either got back stock or Wedgie makes them again. Uh, then they, this month you get a Jim Dunlop capo slide. You get a capo slide converter? Play slide on the guitar? Okay, this is cool as hell. This is stuff I didn't even know they made. I didn't know this. Does anyone know they made a slide and guitar capo in one? Oh, that's just too cool. <laughs> All right. That's cool. Oh, you get a cool crybaby sticker, but it's actually all three-dimensionally cut out. That's cool. Crybaby. And then you get an MXR sticker. Oh, no. <laughs> you get the Triller. I have a video to that. I have two videos. I did a video where I did it wrong and then a video where I did it right. <laughs> so there's a Triller. But this one's green. This is cooler than my gray one. So uh, I gave my gray one away. <laughs> so this is the green one. And uh, then you get a bunch of picks that are, say, uh, a guitar crate. So uh, basically, I'll put a link to their stuff so you know it's not an affiliate link, although they have that. I just wanted to make this part of the show right now and give it a test. Uh, that's if you subscribe to this box, you get different stuff every month. This is something like you get this month. Um, I thought that's cool, and uh, I thought it would be fun to share and talk about it. So we'll do that once a month. You guys said you'd like this when I mentioned last time that you'd like me to do this once a month, and we'll talk about it. I'll put links. This is what you get if you get a guitar crate. Um, so a little fun for those of you that just, you know, kind of want something in the mail. Like I get the idea. It's like getting a present in the mail. You don't know what's coming. So, you know, it's not that you need this stuff. I don't think that's what it's about. <laughs> I think if you need it, you specifically buy what you need. I think this is about like that. I didn't even know some of those things existed still or even at all. So, yeah, the, as Martin says, the capo looks interesting. Again, I think that's the whole point of something like this is that to give you enough stuff to validate the price you pay. And so that when you get this stuff, you didn't overpay anything. You paid what it's worth. I don't think you're getting a deal either way. But I, again, I don't, I'm talking out of term. I don't know. What I'm saying is basically, look, you pay a certain amount. They're going to make sure you get that dollar amount in merchandise. But not only 
is it going to be like a grab bag of stuff? And of course, some of the stuff's just kind of different, but it's going to expose you to something different. I think is the idea of this. Could be fun is what I'm saying. So uh, anyways, on that note, let's, um, let's go ahead and make sure there's any last questions before we go. And we'll button up this episode so I can go watch them jig a giant hole in my yard. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Uh, hold on. Hold on. There's a bunch I got to get to real quick. Uh, Aaron says, hey, Phil, what's your thoughts on insurance for your gear? I live in an apartment with about $10,000 in gear. Uh, yes, insurance uh, for your gear is a good idea, uh, especially depending on... It, it, first of all, if you live in an apartment, you should have renter's insurance. And so uh, you should be able, like homeowner's insurance, you should be able to, in most cases, $10,000... Again, I'm not an expert in this insurance. I'm not an insurance agent. But I can tell you what I think I know, and it might push you down the right road. You should be able to... Not only... If you don't have renter's insurance, get that. And when you're getting that, you should be able to disclose to them the gear you have and the value of it. And then they should be able to tell you whether or not they can insure that or not. And then hopefully if they can't, they can tell you where to go for that. I know there are specific insurances, I guess, for gear. I've never messed with that. Like I said, just, just get a policy that covers all that stuff. It's just a good idea. Insurance is always a good idea. Um, Curtis says, how do you adjust the height of your P90 pickups? They are, uh, they are the dog ear types. Um, okay. Hold on one second, um, because I know the answer, but I'm going to try and do something. Oh, I'm going to try and do, give you an illustration. Okay, so if I'm not mistaken, hold on, I'm getting there. Okay, there should be two screws where oh huh hold on a second so a regular p90 you're going to have two screws in the center that's going to raise and lower them the dog ears i thought it's the two outer screws right so it should be the two screws on the outside is that right i don't have a guitar i would p like i said as soon as you say p90 is my great i have a bunch of p90 guitars to show here not only do i not have a Oh, you know what? I do have a dog uh, ear P90 guitar downstairs. Uh, let's see. But it should be the two outer screws. Anyone else know anything different than that? Uh, make sure that we make sure that. Uh... Oh, uh, okay. Two things. So one, I'm waiting for a comment on that. So that's great. The other thing is Daryl McMillan says, make sure the renter's replacement insurance. That's a big difference. Renter replacement insurance is the answer. Uh, you want that as well. Again, make sure that you, and th that's another thing too. Just make sure you ask all the right questions, write down the questions that are important to you before you talk to an insurance agent. And then when you talk to them, once they acknowledge all your questions and say, you can take care of it, make sure that you get a policy and read your policy. And I, just so you know, this is something I just got to tell you as a person on the planet earth. Uh, every, I don't know what it is. Maybe I have bad luck. Every insurance company I've ever dealt with in my entire life, I, every time they send me the policy, there's always something they're left off or wrong in the policy. So always read your policy before you pay and go down that road. Um, uh, you know, they always change something because you know what it is. I think it, in my opinion, what always happens is you, you know, they give you the quote and you're like, yes, but the quote always took something or changed something. And so 
I always make sure that they they're covering what they say they cover. I I don't get to because otherwise sometimes when they hit your price you want to hit you just get excited and accept and then later you find out they don't cover it. Um, Curtis says, "How do you adjust?" Oh, okay, no way. Sorry, Carlos. Carlos says, uh, "Got ratio locking tuners for my Epiphone JBESA." Wow. So he said he's got a JBES 335. Wow. I you know what, Carlos. I agree with you. Ratio tuning keys are ratio locking tuners or tuning keys are as legit as a product as could be. It's uh, there is no internet hype on those. They are great. Um, no one I've met d dislikes them. <laughs> so now does that mean everybody's going to like them? No, but man, the, that's one of those things where I, yes, I agree. And the guitars that I have on them are fantastic. Uh, Raymond says, you look like you like the deer hunter. Do I like the deer hunter? Do I look like the deer? I do like the deer hunter. <laughs> uh, Joseph Billet says, Phil, thoughts on the new. Uh, I don't know. Bill M mods on and other mods on, for the Fender Blues Jr. Are they worth it? I don't know. I have never modded a Blues Jr. other than change a speaker. So that I don't know. But. Joseph, what I can do so you don't feel like you totally got gypped on this one uh, and, and kind of didn't get your answer. Let me tell you uh, what I'll do is um, I'm about to do a video about amps with an amp custom amp builder and I'll run mods by them and give some suggestions for you. David says, hey, Phil, did you make a video on upgrading the Blues Junior amp? Oh, that's the same same kind of question. I could have sworn I saw an Instagram post months ago. Uh I did do an Instagram post on a blues junior where I changed the speaker and a tube and that video only went to the patrons. And the reason is, is because what happened is, is I videotaped the, 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 I did the video and the, I put the camera far from me. I did the blues junior mod video, uh, where I upgraded the speaker and the amp and I did a comparison. And what happened was the camera, took it focused because you know it auto focused on something not me and i was blurry the whole time so the video i didn't put it to the you guys or not you guys but i didn't put it to the internet because i didn't want to sit there and read 300 comments telling me about how i need to hey learn to run your camera i'm like yeah i can run learn to run on my camera but i mean you know i made the video and i'm not going to redo it so the only way to do that video again is literally to <laughs> take the amp apart go through and do all that again it was just nuts and uh, there's just no logic that makes that make sense. So what I did is I gave that video to the patrons and said, Hey, you know, this is what's wrong with it. And, and then I put a small snippet of that on Instagram. Yes. But in that case, what happened was I upgraded the speaker and a, uh, and a tube on it. Uh, Gunky zip said, chop these chats into little clips like Joe Rogan, dude. I, I love that idea. I actually, I have a know your gear channel and we tested that. And so that's what we are going to do. If you go, I'll put a link when I index it right now to know your gear. The know your gear channel is my second channel. It has 175 subscribers. Yes, that's literally 175. That's it. And um, that's where I wanted to put all the longer videos and do all that stuff. And we've been neglecting it because I didn't know what to do with it. And then we started the idea. I, I love the idea of the Joe Reagan clips of these uh, podcasts. So we actually put one out last week. I think I did. And then we're going to do more. Great idea. You're thinking, uh, I appreciate that. It was great thinking. And, uh, and if you suggested it to me before we stole it, and if you haven't, we just had the idea like you, uh, Greg says my favorite Phil saying you will run out of money before you, the, the deals run out. Yes. Fantastic money saving tip. I absolutely. Yes. Yes. And the great thing about things like that is, um, 
<laughs> I get to take credit for that, even though I was a friend that told me that. <laughs> so, and what's funny about that saying is, is that was the advice given to me by a very, very important person, a friend of mine who's a very successful business person when I opened my first business. And he said, he said, look, you'll run out of money before the deals. In other words, when you're buying stuff to, you know, for your business, just remember the money will run out first. Great, great advice. And so I may have morphed it into the saying it is now, but you get the idea. Thanks you, Greg. I appreciate you liking the saying. I love the saying too. It's how I keep my, it's how you keep your sanity, right? You remind yourself, you don't need this. Uh, Bayo says, yes, 15 watt clean HR combo shootout. Ampeg J12T. Oh, yeah. The Ampeg J12T. I had one of those. It, it's a good amp. Uh, it is a good amp. I don't remember the clean room being high. What I remember is I had a beautiful clean. See, like the, the Ampeg J12T to me reminds me of like the Supro amps now where the cleans on them are full and dynamic, but really early on the breakup happens and then you get a different kind of cool amp. You get this gritty amp. So to me, the Supros at home have this clean, beautiful tone, but then in a live situation, they have that rock and roll tone, but you can't have the clean tone live. It just didn't work. And the Ampeg, I'm going off memory because I think I owned that amp like, oh, seven years ago. Like two, no, man, 2008 or seven. Um, I bought one when Ampeg, it's when Ampeg moved everything from the US to Vietnam. I bought uh, like $100,000 worth of American-made Ampeg uh, at stupid closeout prices. Um, and we so we moved it all like in a month <laughs> uh, because everybody was going to buy. And they did. Everybody bought the Ampeg stuff. So I had that amp because I had a couple things from Ampeg. I bought myself personally because I bought them for like nothing. It was funny. Like literally we bought the stuff like on 40 cents on the dollar on its value. Um because they wanted the warehouse wiped out because they were going to Vietnam with all the stuff. So, uh, and the J 12 T I think the new ones are made in overseas though, but still, so yeah, off memory. I don't remember the clean being that high. So, and then, uh, and then Reggie says, Hey, Phil, get a drink. I will right now. A guitar. Oh, this is going to be a long show because this is cool. I'm curious about this. He says, hey, the kit showed up this week starting tomorrow. I'll document the build and my thoughts. Looks like it came with uh, Grover hardware. That's really cool to know. So you guys know we were talking back and forth, me and him, Reggie, on email about his kit build. And I was letting, he's, he's working on a kit. And I'm always curious when you guys send me that stuff. I try to re respond to you guys. You guys, I try to get the emails. A lot of you guys know I'm slow to get the emails. But when I say slow, I, I want to give myself the credit I think I deserve sometimes. When I say slow, I mean, yeah, to you guys, it's a week behind, but I mean, I'm answering emails every day. Just, I'll, I just, they don't come normal. You guys can't send emails. No offense to anybody, but no one sends me like an email every hour. I can literally in an hour get 50 and then, then the next day get two and the next day get a thousand. It's just all out of, it's, there's, it's like this. And so all it takes all of a sudden is it's a plume up real fast and you're, you can't keep up. Uh, but then when it slows down, you catch up fast. Uh, Matt Bud said, "Best way, best way to deal with a bad neck dive on an SG. Don't like the, don't like cotton leather straps uh, that everyone suggests." Yeah. Uh, so with my SG above right here, I love the guitar. You guys have seen me use it in videos. I love it. But yes, I'm not a big fan of the neck dive. Um, things I've tried. Uh, I try to go with a uh, lighter tuners. It came with Grover locking keys. I try to put on the hip shots that were a little lighter, open gears. Didn't help a whole lot. Helped a little. Um, 
you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I use so um, I use the same clip off straps, clip lock straps for everything, but for that SG, I use a leather strap. So unfortunately, my advice is just as horrible as everybody else's uh, for you. Uh, but that's why we have a guitar community. Somewhere out there has an SG and somebody has a fix. I've never moved the strap button, so you know. I don't know if that works. I'm always freaked out to drill a hole in it. Maybe somebody out there is either crazy enough to do it or has an Epiphone that did it, and they can tell us if that works. Maybe that's in a suggestion. Joseph says, just because you're awesome, thanks. Oh, uh, Hey, you know what, Joseph? Thank you, man. That was awesome. It's awesome. You guys are being really flattering today. It's probably because you all know I'm going to have a giant hole in my yard. <laughs> and you're all, you all probably did the same thing I did. Right now, you're picturing my plumbing bill. You're picturing how many cool guitars I could have got. <laughs> I did that the first 24 hours. I thought, man, I could have got a hollow body two PRS or a Gibson R9. <laughs> I was like, instead, I'm just going to have a pipe. <laughs> but, oh, well, man, you can't get mad at the things that happen to you in life. Those are definitely not the worst things that happen to you. I've had enough horrible things and those horrible things that you literally can't, that money and uh, things can't fix. And when you have those happen to you, it puts everything in perspective. Um, Burton Lake says, I was told the bridge on my CE24 is Korean. True. If so, should I change it? Um, I don't know if specifically the bridge is made in Korea. I, I don't know that. What I do know is that the bridge is the same bridge they were putting on the SEs at that time were made in Korea, now made in Indonesia. So the answer to your question is, is it import bridge? It is an import bridge. Uh, PRS uh, has no problems exp uh, saying that, the, that the CE, which is an American made bolt-on uh, Paul Reed Smith guitar has a import bridge on it. Uh, should you change it? I personally like it. If that helps, I like it better than the American bridge. Keep in mind, I like steel bridges versus brass bridges. Uh, I like I like the bridge. Um, something to point out: I'm not. I'm in some good company. Uh, there's a Paul Reed Smith Silver Sky right there, and John Mayer had them put a steel bridge on that as well. What I mean by steel is there's a steel block instead of a a, a brass block. Um, that has the bent saddle. So, so no, man, I wouldn't change it out. I didn't change out my CE. I'm looking at my CE right here. You can, oh, you can see the corner of it. And I don't want to use my chair. There it is. There's a corner of my CE, semi hall. I kept the bridge stock and uh, I like it. I like it a lot. In fact, um, you know, uh, I have no problem with it at all. I like it. So, okay. On that note, we're going to call it. We went way over today. <laughs> And as you guys know, I got stuff going on this weekend, but good for you guys or hope for good for you guys. I did a video today for Lawrence Petros's pedals. Uh, that video was to test that idea. Tell me if you like the idea of doing shorter content videos. In addition to my other videos, the idea is to put two or three of those out a week and keep the other videos coming too as well. I got to increase the amount of videos right now. That's, that's for sure. Not only do I get that from you guys, but I have a lot of stuff that I got to do. And so, uh, yes. Um, Donald says, you got a Silver Sky? I didn't see the review. The, the deal with the Silver Sky is real simple. I did a review of the Paul's guitar versus the Paul SE. In that guitar, I loved the Paul's uh, uh, core guitars pickups. I mean, I loved the pickups. There was no question about that. So, some of the best uh, pickups. And when he switched them to single quote mode, I made a comment to Gene at PRS that the Paul's guitar pickups in single coil mode sounded better than all of my Fender Strats single coils and i said they sounded fantastic and then she mentioned to me which i mentioned in the video that 
Paul learned to do those pickups from working with John Mayer. And I said, wow, then the John Mayer pickups must sound really good. And so they sent this for me to experiment with and try some stuff. So yes, uh, you will be seeing a Silver Sky full review and uh, some other stuff with it as well. Because I'm curious. So there you go. All right. On that note, I got to let you guys go because we went over. And unfortunately, the weekend's got to start. And the weekend will only start if we stop the show. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Uh, all right, guys, as we know, we're going to end the show with a big thank you to the patrons who make this happen. Thank you again, all the patrons. Uh, you know, you guys make this uh, amazing, especially when you uh, get a giant plumbing bill <laughs> and you think, Ooh, maybe I should get a real job. <laughs> you know, maybe I should go back to, uh, to, uh, you know, the corporate world. Um, but because of you guys, I will, uh, deal with this and move on and stay doing what I'm doing. Jeff Howes, Zachary Rowe, Michael Newman, Bruce and the Saltwater Whiskey Band, Hannah Gunson, John Jax, Michael Shy, Michael Shy, of course, uh, is also who runs the website and, uh, and he's a fantastic, uh, friend of mine, Justin Mabe, David Madison, uh, pa uh Passy, uh, and, uh, Alizadar McLeod. Uh, I'm probably saying, saying that wrong, but I'll say Aladar and we'll stick at that, at that. Andy Dennis, Anthony Desposito, Bob Crosley, Bob Pickwode, Brian Quackenbush, Brian Stewart, Bruce Collins. By the way, Brian Stewart, I liked your video this week. I am glad you enjoyed the guitar. Um, thank you again. I'll put a link right now. So those are the people that hang out to the end of video will get to see your video. So I'll link in the index that Brian did a good review of a cool guitar. And you'll get to see what that's all about. Uh, Bruce Collins, Chuck Keen, Chief Squatch. Chris at the Guitar Pit. Another great channel, by the way. Check out his channel. Chris from New Mexico. Craig Parker. Dave R. Guitars. Dennis Prescott. Derek Miller. Aaron Kimmicker. Gary Phillips. Gene Graham. Greg Peterson. James Biles. John Russell. Jonathan Pickering. Uh, Picker, Pickering. Sorry, Jonathan. Joseph McCarthy, Kermit Jackson, Larry Colkin, Lawrence Petros, Lonnie Hoke, Michael Lidner, Michael Mooney, Muse Guitarist, Paul Ostrike, Louis and Elvero from Pedal Pal FX, Sam Oram, Steve Hogan, Tim Camacho, Tim Farnsworth, Todd Flowers, and Zesty Basil Pizza. And not to mention all the other patrons that make this happen. Plus, you guys watching, subscribing, and buying merch. You guys literally make this happen every week. And uh, like I said, look forward for more comment uh, content, not comments, because uh, you'll see it coming out more and more. And uh, I will talk next week about anything that we missed this week. Uh, so until next week, thank you guys so much for your time. And uh, know your gear. <laughs>